This is The Bittersweet Life, a show for expats, former expats, travel lovers, and people who dream about moving far away someday. If you're new to the show, I encourage you to join us for the whole journey by beginning with episode one. If you're really interested in today's theme, however, back up to the beginning afterwards. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today we're going to um, just get caught up. (laughs) That sounds so lame, but um, it's been a while since we've actually talked just about what's going on with our, our lives, particularly with your life, seeing as you are mere weeks away from bringing another person into the world. How's it going? Ah, that's scary when you put it like that. Uh, it's, it's going okay. I have a little less than six weeks till my due date. Not that I expect to give birth on my due date. I'm okay. It's getting hot here in Rome. It's been hot for the past couple of weeks and it just, it's amazing how much that harder that makes it. The whole summer pregnancy thing it's not easy. <laughs> I felt like I was sort of smooth sailing the whole time until the beginning of the eighth month. And all of a sudden it was like, ah, oh, my feet are swollen, my ankles are swollen. And you know, it's just hard to relax, hard to sleep, uncomfortable. But other than that, I really can't complain. I've had a pretty eventless pregnancy, so I'm happy for that. And how are you feeling about actually having a child, having a baby? I've had the time mentally to adjust um, (laughs) as your friend, but not like you have, obviously, because you have a human being growing inside your body. But you've come to terms with the fact that you're about to become a parent. Uh, Ideally, I've come to terms with it. I don't think you ever, I don't know, maybe some people do, but I don't think you ever really come to terms with it until it's actually happened. I I will say that just in the past couple weeks, I've had a really because he's getting so big I can really feel like certain parts of his body like I can tell like a foot where his back is and stuff and I have to say that being able to sort of really feel where he is it makes him more real it's not just a bump anymore yeah it's very clear exactly where he is so that's kind of cool and that's just something that I've noticed in the past week or so and so I'm starting to picture him more I think as a little baby, as opposed to just this sort of faceless, nameless, because he's, of course, nameless still, blob. He's becoming a little more real to me, so that's kind of cool. So is he legitimately nameless, or is he nameless in the fact that this podcast, you're not going to share the name? Oh, he's legitimately nameless. We (laughs) are having a majorly hard time. Hey, we should have a shout-out to our listeners to, to give us some suggestions. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, what are the criteria? The criteria are... It's a boy. It's a boy. (laughs) And I personally like old-fashioned, slightly unusual names. Not so unusual in a modern way, like kind of new names that have popped up in the past five, ten years, or invented names, but names that are true, actual, historic names, but from the past, generally. That's what I like. Give us an example of that. An example of that would be something like Oscar. Okay, now... Oscar, my husband, has completely vetoed. It's just not on the table at all, so I can say it. But more British than American. 
old school British. My husband is insisting that we don't use an Italian name. I think he, I think I could change his mind on that if I really tried. So I'm not saying that Italian names are completely off the table. So if you have a good Italian name suggestion, that would be good. But the same, same sort of thing. Nothing too common. No Giovanni. That's just a really common Italian name. No Bill, <laughs> you know, as a, a common American. Something a little bit spunkier. If you have any suggestions, write to us or tweet us because we're six weeks away, less than six weeks away, and we are having a really hard time. So write us. Yes, please. Bittersweetlife at mail.com. That's our email address. Or Twitter. What our Twitter Bittersweet. handle is uh, Bittersweet what? Pod. Bittersweet Pod. If we pick your name, you win a free podcast. <laughs> you can listen for free. <laughs> we'll do it about you. We'll mention you. Um, but tell me, my dear, you've got some kind of exciting news, too. Exciting, especially for me, but also hopefully for you and Derek. I know. I should have waited to reveal this to you on the podcast, but we bought tickets to come to Rome following the birth of this mysterious child who's unnamed. Yay! I know. I'm so excited to see you. We're going to go visit my grandmother in uh, South Carolina in the United States, and then we're going to fly from there to Rome mid-August. But I don't know if we're going to stay in Rome while your mother's in town. We might go stay somewhere else for a little while and then come back once she's gone. Not that I don't want to see your mom, but I figure, you know, you'll have a lot of family around and you'll have just had a baby. So I think we're going to go spend two weeks somewhere. We haven't figured out where yet. And then we're going to come to Rome for four weeks in September. If I were you, just, you know, friendly suggestion, I would go up to the mountains because it's going to be very hot here and the beaches are going to be packed in late August. It's going to be absolutely like mayhem at the beach. So if you don't like crowded beach situations... I would go to the mountains, find some place maybe that has a lake that you could swim in or an agriturismo with a pool would be nice. You should probably book it in advance because that kind of stuff fills up. As we talked about in our podcast on visiting Rome, Italians tend to all go on vacation at the same time. You might have noticed that I'm not taking the advice <laughs> that we gave on that very podcast, which was don't go to Rome in August. I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm rebelling. I'm doing it. Well, sometimes you have to break your own, your own <laughs> advice. You know Rome well, and you've done it. It's not like you're going to Rome and it's your first time and you're going in August. It's not going to be a disappointment to you if a couple of restaurants are closed. And the other good news about that, as far as this podcast is concerned, is that I'm planning on doing a lot of taping when I'm there. Yay! In fact, I've even been talking with a few of our listeners who have written in the past who live in Rome, and so we're going to get together and do some in-person interviews and maybe we can do a few more live from the streets of Rome with the baby <laughs> in tow. Who will hopefully be nice and quiet. Who will hopefully be nice and quiet, but if he's not, that'll be a nice atmosphere. <laughs> and yeah, so it's going to be good for the podcast and it's going to be good for me because I'm hoping to um, not only see the baby and be around in the very early stages of his life, I also need a break to evaluate how my freelancing career is going and whether or not I'm on the right track. It's so hard when you're in the middle of it to know because you're just sort of saying yes to all sorts of stuff just trying to make ends meet but am I actually working on things I want to be doing? Half the time it doesn't feel like I am so I need I need to take a step back and do some journaling or something. Sounds good. So how, 
how long is the total the trip total not including the south carolina part i think it's six weeks oh nice that's a good chunk of time to do some reflection we can afford that (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's the big news as far as uh, i'm concerned i have to find somebody to babysit my very sick fish so if anyone in seattle wants to babysit a sick fish (laughs) he's here (laughs) what's your fish's name his name is gil gil Mm. you don't like gil that could be the name of your baby no i i like it for a fish i just asked because i thought maybe it has some human appropriate name but i don't think gill well gill is human appropriate is gill a name a human name too yeah i would think so gilbert gilbert right gilbert that's true it is i was just thinking of that great film with bill murray called what about bob his fish is called gill oh really i didn't even know that here i thought i was being original i love the fact that he called his fish gill that was one of my favorite things about the movie i didn't even know that well gill has been he's a beta fish and he's been suffering from what I'm self-diagnosing as clamped fin. I'm looking at him right now. He just looks like he put too much hairspray at the tip of his fins. So they're kind of pinched together. Oh. And I really don't know what to do about it. I got this treatment and I used it and nothing changed. So. No. I know. I See, this is the thing about caring about a fish you can't care about them too much but at the same point he's in my office all day long right so it's impossible not to get connected i feel so bad like here he is in my care and I, i'm trying to think of like what can i do to save gill you know <laughs> and maybe there's nothing i can do where was gill while you were in rome oh he didn't he wasn't in my possession yet okay i had a different fish when i was in rome his name was Kobo, Professor Kobo Redgrave. <laughs> and what happened to Kobo? Kobo died about a week before I got back. Oh, I know. Isn't that's that? sad. <laughs> he was also a beta fish, but he was red and this one's blue. But that's beside the point. He moved in with the very last out on the street interviewee I did when I was still working for the public radio station. He was an animal eye surgeon. So he had great eye care while he was alive. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but unfortunately he did not survive until I got home that's a shame his wife wrote to me and said well what do you want me to do with the body do you want me to freeze it and I said no (laughs) (laughs) just do whatever you want let's be honest you owned Professor Kobo Redgrave even longer than I did so at this point he's your fish feel free to do what you will you know with him so Anyway, wow, that was a lot about fish. Uh, we can cut it. Now, <laughs> now, what was I going to say? By the time you come to Rome, it will have been pretty much a year since you've been freelancing. Yeah, yeah, a little less, a little less than a year. But yep, it's true. And looking back, because we, we did an episode on freelancing, but that was several months ago when you were still towards the beginning of that experience looking back has it you know has your opinion on it changed yes i guess it's probably changed i don't know i'd have to go back and listen to what i said back then it certainly takes longer to uh, get all the connections made than i thought it was going to i still think i'm in the process of doing that and do i like it any better i guess i like it better to a point yeah i like it better to a point i'm not as lonely i think as i once was that's good so i've got gill <laughs> <laughs> At least for a little while. Who, <laughs> <laughs> if you need a fish to keep from feeling lonely, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good place, Katie. No, I know. I, I was. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was. I was talking to a guy um, who's a retired filmmaker. <clears throat> he was saying, 
you know, you just, you got to get out of the house. He's like, you're so good when you meet people. <laughs> Don't just stay in your office. You'll never get anywhere. So figure out a way to connect in person, which I think I've really been trying to do. I'm sure I have something more profound to say about it than that, but I'm tired. Doing radio is not quite as mobile as just straight up writing. If you were just writing, you can do that from anywhere. You can go to a cafe, you can go to the park. But if you're going to be editing or recording, it's not so easy. No. And your house is your studio. It's not so easy to get out there. It's true. I mean, I am getting out there more. In fact, I should mention, for those of you who listen to this podcast that are living in the city of Seattle, I have four live shows coming up in the month of July where you can actually come hang out with me. Wow. And eat dinner at the same time. Wow. I wish I could come. I know. It's going to be great. It's going to be me, um, the host of my old show on public radio, Steve Scher. It's going to be called Out to Eat with Katie Sewell and Steve Scher. It's Tuesdays starting July 14th for four weeks in a row. And it's going to be uh, down at Cafe Nordo in Pioneer Square. So check it out. Come see us. It'll be fun. And are you going to be basically talking about food, about cuisine, or is that just sort of the backdrop? Uh, no, I, we are in one of the shows we are. We are going to be running the gamut. The hypothetical plan right now is the first one, we're going to be talking about politics and how to get more young people and more alternative candidates involved in politics. And our guest is going to be a guy named John Roderick, who's the lead singer of The Long Winters, which is a band, but he's also running for city council here. Interesting. And hopefully he'll play some music, too. I don't know yet. We're going to do one on food with uh, a celebrity-type chef that lives here named The Chef in the Hat, Terry Rotaro. And we're going to do one about sex with a professor, Professor Pepper Schwartz. And I think the fourth one will be uh, author Sherman Alexie. I would like to have him talk about urban animal encounters in my imagination, but I don't know that he's had any urban animal encounters. Well, sounds good. I'll send me the link so I can listen from afar. I will. I will. Yeah, it, it will be eventually a podcast, but it's going to be way more fun to come see in person. So come check it out. What else is new with you? I, I saw you on the Travel Channel. Oh, did you actually see it? Yeah, I saw it. I found it online. Oh, no way. You have to send me the link. So <laughs> I was on a show, but my mom told me that they like muted everything I said. <laughs> well, you didn't say anything. It's true. <laughs> That's a real shame because I did talk. I clearly didn't say what they wanted me to say, or maybe I didn't say it well enough. <laughs> but I don't. I know the questions were about aperitivo, what it is, what why it's important in Italy to to have this moment of the day, this pre-dinner, I guess you could call it happy hour, but it's much more than that. I talked about it in a beautiful piazza. Yes. But they covered everything I said with the narration, I think. Well, Teresa, your friend, talked. Uh-huh. And our guest, um, I don't remember Amy. what episode it was. Amy talked. What episode is she on? Un unsure, I think, was the name of her episode. Right. She talked. They just, they just cut me out. Well, you look great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mom was like, you had a very nice scarf on, honey. <laughs> there was so much dramatic music during that entire show, though. I, it, it was very strange. Hmm. They're just casually talking about the aperitivo or like different kinds of ham or something. And then it's da -da -dum, da -da 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 -dum, underneath everything. <laughs> <laughs> it was really weird. I have not seen it yet, but it was fun to be a part of. We got free aperitivo in the most 
one of the most beautiful piazzas in Rome, so can't really complain. Which piazza was that? Piazza di Pietra. Where is that? It's not far from the Pantheon. It has a beautiful backdrop of Hadrian's Temple right behind with these gorgeous columns. So it's a really beautiful piazza. This is kind of off topic. We're not, it's not really catching up. But I, I just what want topic? to mention. Well, the topic is, I guess, catching up on our respective lives. But we've talked about in the past, I think, actually, maybe we haven't. People in different countries, there are certain things you're allowed to say and certain things you're not allowed to say, depending on the country that you're in. You know, the whole politically correct idea, being polite. And I feel like in the United States, people are very polite. And they won't say what is on their mind if they think it might be offensive to someone. Do you agree with that? Um, yes, on the most part, sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, if I noticed that you'd gained 30 pounds, yeah. <laughs> I am not going to be like, Katie, why have you gotten so fat? You know, I'm just not going to say that. That's your business, and I don't want to offend you. I don't want to make you feel bad. So I'm just not going to bring it up. Okay. Now, in Italy, that's not how it is. Certain things are okay to comment on, and one of them is your weight. And you can comment on people's weight with impunity. And nobody's supposed to get offended by this. You know, if you're not from there, and I've heard this from a lot of people, you know, a lot of expats, especially Americans, who are like, oh my gosh, this certain person commented on my weight. I can't believe it, I'm so offended. And the truth is, I just don't think that they find it offensive. We should be able to just get over it and think, well, it's not offensive to them. They're not trying to offend me. But on the other hand, it is a little bit annoying. And I've I've been noticing this recently, And I feel like, you know, if there's one time in your life when you're allowed to put on a little bit of weight and hopefully not get any crap for it, it's when you're pregnant. Am I right? I would think so. And I am getting so many comments from people about either just my body in general or just the fact that I'm I'm putting on too much weight. I'm talking about people that I barely know, like people who work in my local cell phone shop or people who I see at the supermarket. Really? Yes. Like, what are they saying? Well, how inappropriate is it? That's what I'm, as far as American standards. Well, I'll I'll tell you, it it ranges from not that bad to, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. I am dumbfounded and my, my jaw is hanging on the ground, which happened yesterday, that last version. So six weeks ago, I was already getting comments from people like, oh, are you about to have that baby? Have you reached your due date? Are you overdue? Already, as a first-time mother, you're like, oh, my God, is my belly too big? Is my baby getting too big? Am I putting on too much weight? You know, you start to get all paranoid. Everybody seems to think that I am further along than I actually am. So that's kind of annoying, but whatever. It's not, quote-unquote, offensive that somebody says that. But I was down in this uh, cell phone shop changing my plan, and I've been going there for years, and I know the people who work there. We're not friends, They know my name, etc. They recognize me. And one of them said to me about a week ago, you got to stop eating. You're getting too fat. (laughs) I mean, it was literally, I mean, she said it in Italian and it wasn't exactly those words. I don't think she used the word fat. I think she used the word round, which (laughs) I have a baby in my stomach. So yes, it is round. (laughs) But the guy at the supermarket who said to me, oh, you look like you're going to explode. I'm like, oh, thank you. You're about to have the baby? I said, no, actually, I have two months to go. He said, are you sure it's not twins? (laughs) I would love to know if this happens to people in the United States who are pregnant. Well, 
It could be worse. It could be worse. I worked with the girl once back when I was working at the People's Pub in Ballard. Somebody came in. I don't remember if it was a man or a woman, but they just said, oh, oh, what are you due to her? And she said, eight years ago. Thank you. Ouch. <laughs> well, I have to say I've gotten that too before, long before I was pregnant. I have had people ask me if I'm pregnant and I've had friends being asked if they're pregnant and none of us looked pregnant at all. I don't know what these people think. I was wearing an empire-waisted dress a couple of months after my wedding. And my boss said, oh, are you pregnant? Oh, oh my God. What? Really? Yeah, it happens. That happens a lot more here, though, I have to say. I think people know better than that, at least in the States. Here, honestly, people do not know when to keep their mouth shut. And the worst of all was yesterday... You know how when sometimes you're in an embarrassing situation, you, you try to make a joke to make light of the situation? Yeah. Has this ever happened to you, right? Well, I was in the supermarket. I think it was, honestly, I think it was the same guy who said I look like I was about to explode. But that was over a month ago, so I'm not positive. But I think it was him. There was a short ladder closed leaning up against this metal thing. And I was standing near to it. And this guy walks past with a cart full of something. And he bangs it on accident into this metal island type thing and the ladder goes flying towards my stomach. I luckily for once in my life had good reflexes and I caught this ladder before it hit me. But it, you know, it kind of scared, you know, it kind of scared me and it scared him too. And I saw the look on his face. Like he was like, Oh my God, you know? And instead of just letting it go and being like, Oh ma'am, I'm sorry. You know, it was an accident, which of course I knew it was and I didn't hold it against him. Instead he laughs and says, ha ha, I was just trying to make you miscarry. Let me tell you, my mouth hung open. I wanted to say, are you serious? Did that just come out of your mouth? And then to make matters worse, he said, yeah, I've noticed that you're getting too heavy lately. That is what, pretty what, bad. Honestly, I wanted to be like, close your mouth. Why do you feel it necessary to make these comments that are not even jokes? They're not even funny. So what is the best joke you've heard recently? <laughs> I, none. I don't think Italians have very good senses of humor. No. <laughs> At least that's my, my mood right now. You can go back and listen to the comedy episodes if you want to hear about Italian humor from an, an expert, Marcia De Salvatore. Yes, they were. Okay, so we're running long, but I want to ask you, you got an agent for your book, and I don't know if we've mentioned that or not, but maybe give a, a one-line sentence about what your book is and then tell me what the heck's going on with it. Are we going to get to actually read it sometime soon? I really sincerely hope and pray we, we will. So the book is a art mystery for 10 to 13 years old, about a 12 or 13-year-old girl who lives in Rome and witnesses a crime against art. The story is about her solving this crime. I've been working on it for many, many years, finally getting it into a shape with the help of a lot of amazing friend readers like yourself and like some of our other friends who have given me absolutely invaluable feedback. I finally got it to a place where I felt like it was ready to send out into the world. It took me about six months, but I finally got an agent. Very, very excited, but I'm still in the revision process because my agent gave me a lot of notes and a lot of changes to make back in January. I made them, I sent it to him. He liked the changes, but he had more changes. So now I am just about to embark on the final, hopefully, 
final revisions. Hopefully I'll finish before this baby comes. Yeah. I've always, I mean, I love writing. I was a writing major in college, but I always felt like the hardest thing about writing is when you're kind of, it's not like you're sick of the story. You still like the story and believe in what you're doing, but you're just so tired of reworking it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) I am very tired of it. Yeah. I might even say I'm tired of the story (laughs) just because I've been living with it for the past a number of years. Yeah. And it's daunting when you get done with a big revision and you change things around and you have to, especially if you have plotting changes and you have to make major changes and then to think, oh, I have to do it again. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a bit disheartening, but that's what you have to do. I mean, that's most writers anyway. Maybe there are a few writers out there who get it right the first time, but I'm definitely not one of them. But it hasn't deterred you from saying, well, I will write another book someday. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that this is my first book. I have learned so much in this process that I think there are plenty of mistakes that I won't make again. Although, of course, my next book won't be perfect on the first draft. I think I can eliminate having to make unnecessary changes. Changes that are necessary for this book, hopefully I can avoid all those initial steps with the next book by plotting better in advance. My, other, my first book, I kind of just wrote it on the fly and I didn't have a plan. So I don't, I don't think I would do that again. When we did the Rimo, which is where you try to write a book in a month, you encouraged me to write a book with you during the month of November last year. And I did, except you finished writing a book and I wrote only half of one. (laughs) And then I I haven't worked on it since. But I think about that book a lot and I've started just polling people about it. So for instance, a couple weekends ago, some people who listen to public radio will know of a show called The Prairie Home Companion, which is hosted by a guy named Garrison Keillor. I many, many years ago worked for Garrison Keillor. And so whenever he comes to town, I help him out. And so he was in town the other day and I was telling him about this book. And I said, well, I'm, but I'm to this place where something really magical could happen or we find out that it's not magical at all and the magic is in the people's minds. What do you think I should do? And he's like, well, it's got to be magical. That's so much more fun. If it's not magic, then it's just like the people are crazy. <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily true that they would be crazy. They definitely are a little delusional. I think it depends on the reader. I think some readers are really open to magical situations and some are not. And I happen to be someone who, I really don't like magical situations. If it's Harry Potter, that's a different story. That's a fantasy. Well, what do you mean, though? Because I think that you do. Like, a lot of the books that you like have this sort of magical quality to them. I mean, as far as like, because you like to read a lot of young adult books. I read more either adult books or I read books that are written for the 10 to 13 age group. And those tend to be magical, but I feel like that's almost different. I don't know. All I know is whenever I'm reading a book that seems to be totally realistic and then it gets magical, I'm always a little bit, I don't want to say disappointed, but I'm a little bit, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I think it really depends on the reader. Interesting. See that now you've, now you've gone against him. His other suggestion, which I thought was good, was that since I, I want to work on this book, but I never work on it, he was suggesting that you just start writing another book that's totally different than it 
at the same time so that when you're in the mood to write, you just open up the other file and maybe that's a nonfiction story about your childhood growing up as the daughter of a Presbyterian minister, you know? And so you're working on one that's very not what the other one is. He said that oftentimes he's done that and it's somehow they influence each other. I definitely think that any creative process can feed another seemingly unrelated creative process. So I do agree on that. But I have another suggestion for you. Okay. July, the month of July, there is something called Camp NaNoWriMo. Oh, no. Similar to NaNoWriMo, except less pressure. So those of you out there who aren't familiar with NaNoWriMo, it's kind of a strict sort of thing. I mean, you can participate. You don't have to finish, and that doesn't mean that it wasn't worthwhile. But you want to win. You want to get... It's 50,000 words. You can't finish the day after. You can't start the day before. you got to do it during the 1st to the 30th of November. Whereas Camp NaNoWriMo, I've never done it, but from what I understand, it's a bit more of a free-for-all. You can set yourself a word goal of however much you want to write. I'm thinking about taking part and trying to work on my revisions during that time. But at the end of the day, you do it for yourself. It's a way to help yourself stay motivated. motivated. So if you want to do it, if you want to work on it during July, I'm going to be on maternity. I'm going to be on maternity leave, and I'm going to be trying to write every day. So there's going to be no way I'm going to be able to do it in the month of July. I can just tell you that right now. You got a lot going on, eh? I've got a lot going on. Yeah, I mean, and because we're going to take all this time off to come visit you and the baby, everything has to happen before that happens. Plus the four live shows. Plus three other events that I'm doing in front of an audience, plus, mm-hmm. I don't even know. All right, all right. But yeah, you know what I mean. There's a lot. I know. There's a lot going on. Life is, it can kind of take over. Well, maybe when you're in Rome, then you can work on it. Yeah, maybe I will. Situate yourself in a cafe every morning. Try to make a ritual of it and write for, you know, an hour and a half every morning. That sounds great. Yeah. Sounds like a dream. That sounds like last year. <laughs> When I lived in Rome and was an expat. All right, we should leave it there because it's getting long in the tooth. Okay. But um, it's been nice catching up. Yeah, definitely. Next week, we'll actually talk about a topic of some kind. Sounds good. All right. Well, until then, I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. This is The Bittersweet Life. Talk to you next week. If you like the show, help us spread the word. Tell a friend. Find us on iTunes. Rate us on iTunes. And visit our website, thebittersweetlife.net. Additionally, if you're interested in sponsoring the program and reaching thousands of people all over the world, send us an email at bittersweetlife at mail.com. That's bittersweetlife at mail.com. Thank you for all the ways you support us, and we'll talk to you next week.